It is Friday, October 28th. I'm Scott Seidman. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Week 8 of the NFL kicked off last night with a Ravens win. And the World Series gets underway in Houston tonight. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Baltimore Ravens 27, Tampa Bay 22, Ravens move to 5-3. and three. The Brooklyn Nets falling back-to-back nights, this time at home to the Dallas Mavericks. And Cam Rising, a surprising no-show for Utah. What is the Vegas lead? We start with Thursday Night Football, AJ, the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking to get off the schneid. Tom Brady staring at his first three-game losing streak since his first year as a starter. Glassy-eyed. Which was 2002 in New England. And early on in this game against the Ravens, I thought, you know what? Maybe Tampa's going to pull something off here. Did you? Maybe there's something... This mojo's turning around. There's all these reports about Giselle giving Brady an ultimatum. No, no, no. This is going to be reversed. The Bucs are going to handle their business. Tom Brady's going to make everybody remember who he is. And they're finally going to pick up a win and put out all the, the bad juju behind them. Leonard Fournette punches in the touchdown. It's 7-3. to three. They get the field goal. It's 10-3. to three. That was it. Then halftime happened. That was it. <laughs> yeah, then halftime happened. The Ravens made some really nice adjustments. And I was frustrated by the Ravens' offense in the first half because this is a team, I, I mentioned this yesterday, since week three, or I guess at, at post-week three, so starting week four, the Ravens had been the number two rushing offense per mm-hmm. DVOA. They, they passed way too much in the early weeks. They finally figured it out week four. They said, you know what, we're going to go back to our roots, be a running team. Ran the ball really well. And we saw what they did uh, two weeks ago with Kenyon Drake having the 119-yard yep. performance. We saw last week Gus Edwards, his first game coming back from the, uh, the the ACL injury. He rolled off what? He had a big game, two touchdowns on the ground. And then the first half last night, the game starts off with 11 of the first 13 plays or pass plays. Yeah. For the Ravens, and the offense looks terrible. The Lamar's getting sacked. It th- things just aren't going well for them. They really don't go well at all in the first half. And if it weren't for a muff punt by the Bucks, the Ravens probably don't score in the first half. Mm-hmm. Halftime, I don't know if Harbaugh, what, what was said in that locker room, but whatever was said absolutely worked. They came out. They looked like a completely different team. They ran the ball effectively, efficiently, and really they just dominated the game from there on out. The final score is 27-22. The Bucks punch in a late touchdown, the last minute of the game. Uh, or this, is a, this, is, this was a blowout game. The Ravens dominated this game. Uh, maybe I'm sour grapes here. Probably my biggest prop bet of this season so far was on Tom Brady under yardage. Mm. Somehow Tom Brady threw for 325 yards. This was one of the worst games I've seen him play in a while. It's, uh, it's been it's been all season though. Yeah, it's not just the game. It's been all season. And by the way, he goes over because he got a couple of chunk plays. He had the early. The, you know when I thought you were in trouble, 
on like the first possession or the second possession. It was the possession where they got the touchdown. The big Mike Evans catch? No, it was the big it was the Godwin 44 yarder. Okay. It was the the pass over the middle that it, it just he uh he spun out of a tackle and ran and it was a 44 yard gain and I'm like if that's going to happen tonight, there's no way Brady's going under. Well, it was it was live to the bit to the till the last drive yeah. basically and uh and then he he no, got it but there. But you're right. This could have been a much worse score than it actually was. So we had the muff punt early on where the Ravens settle for the field goal. That could have been a touchdown. And then at the end, if the Ravens cared to stop Tampa and they didn't have a two-score lead, this, you're right, could have been a, a much bigger deficit and a much uglier-looking finish, which I'm sure when the Bucks watch this game on film, they're not going to look at it and say, hey, 27-22. We're almost there. We're almost there. No. 38 minutes of possession for the Ravens, 22 for the Bucks. like I said. Controlled the game, dominated, despite the fact that, you know, they had two of their their best offensive playmakers out with injury. And that's my concern for the Ravens long term is how do they start to fade all these injuries? Ronnie Stanley done for a, at least for a while. Uh, Rashad Bateman, I can't imagine he comes back next week mm. after being out and then trying to come back and then re-injuring it. Yeah. They've got a bye week coming up. I'm guessing Rashad Bateman's out for a little while. And then Andrews being out is the big the big deal. I mean, he's maybe after Travis Kelsey, the most dominant tight end in football, uh, and he exited the game with an injury. They seem this is the last couple of years they've seemed cursed by injuries. RJ said before, and he may he may be onto something. Maybe it's something with their strength and conditioning. Like maybe they're just not doing something right. Could be. It's one thing to be to have bad injury luck. Yeah. But like when it's year in and year out, mm-hmm. maybe it's something you're doing wrong. Well, it's also RJ's mentioned it before as well. You know, Harbaugh pushes them in the preseason. They have this incredible preseason uh record where they just don't lose games. And maybe that winds up leading to injuries in the regular season because guys are are pushing it too hard early on. I don't know. We don't know the exact science behind it. But here's what we do know. Tampa Bay is in a a, a they're in a deep hole now. And the crazy thing to think about, as Adam Schefter tweeted it out, the winner of Sunday's Falcons-Panthers game is in first place. Is in sole possession of first Unreal. place in the NFC South. If I told you, what if I told you that the Carolina Panthers were going to be the worst team in the NFL, have their quarterback go down, have their backup quarterback go down. Have their third string quarterback go down. And if and after week eight of the NFL season, they'll be in sole possession of first place in the division. That could happen if Carolina beats Atlanta. Let's think about this. We're we're nearly at the halfway point. Three and five. Their next few games: Rams, Seahawks, at Cleveland, Saints, at Niners, Bengals. At Cardinals, Panthers, at Falcons, this to me feels like if things go right for them, mm-hmm. they're nine and eight, eight and nine. They're like right, right around that average could football team. S- could still win the division. Oh, absolutely. Uh, prior to this game, Tampa was minus two thirty to win the division. What do you think they're at after this weekend's? They're probably still the favorite. I mean, I'm I'm guessing it's probably minus 120. Could be, could be close to that. Yeah, that's, they're that's three. They're three and five. Let's say Atlanta wins and they're four and four. So 
You got the Bucks being one game out and already having a win over Atlanta, which helps for their you know tie-breaking scenarios. Uh, or if Carolina wins, then you have three and five, three and five, three and five. Well, let, let's ask McKenzie because he's he's in these numbers all the time, these division odds and things like that. When you're minus two thirty, you're the favorite, and you lose a game like this. What's the typical move? What would you expect Tampa to be? Well, the game line was about pick them, you know, to be simple. So 50% chance you're expected to win. So your win total goes down by a half game. Uh, I'd, I'd say not that. I mean, Atlanta has to still make up a big chunk here from three to one to to minus 230. So I'm going to say minus 150 will be my expectation. Okay. So maybe I was a little a uh, little harsh on it. But, yeah, either way, this is, uh, this is one of the biggest surprises. I, I mean – I told my I told my wife this. My wife, uh, I, I play in a fantasy football league where she's in it, and her two quarterbacks are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And she was like, <laughs> "I she, don't mean to laugh." She was like, "Which one? Which one should wow. I play?" And I said, "Honey, these guys. You need to find a new quarterback. Yeah, you need to go dig on the waiver wire because these two guys stink. I, it's amazing that Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers are all." Average to below average quarterbacks after, you know, I mean, there's what would the what would the payout have been on that to say that all these all three of these guys finish outside the top 10 at the end of the season? It had to have been huge, but it is it's a fact. Tom Brady it looks not like himself. Mm-mm. I heard Teddy Bruschi well, last literally night physically doesn't look no, like he himself because whatever, whatever. Botox or whatever he's done to his face, he looks terrible. But Teddy Bruschi, a former teammate and usually, you know, former teammates, outside of Richard Sherman, who seems to have no problem throwing Russell Wilson under the bus. <laughs> but former teammates are usually pretty kind about their, their old quarterbacks. And Teddy Bruce, he said, he doesn't, he doesn't look right. He's like, he's, he's making mistakes that mm-hmm. he didn't make in the past. And, you know, there was a, a throw last night that Mike Evans got some heat on and he was like, Mike Evans did the right thing. Mike Evans stopped because he, he went into traffic. He didn't want to give up the ball. Tom Brady threw it to the wrong side of him. These are mistakes that Tom Brady never made before. You have to wonder how much are the outside distractions? How much is the not practicing on Wednesdays, on install mm-hmm. days? Yeah. Uh, how, how much is you know being off at weddings on Friday? Like, Tom Brady made it as far as he did because there was no one more dedicated to football than Tom Brady. I don't know that Tom Brady's full focus is on football this year, and I think you're like that certainly exposes that Tom Brady's a 45-year-old man trying to play in the NFL at a high level. Here's what Brady had to say after the game about the Bucks' struggles. You know, I think we struggled pretty much at everything. You know, we just struggled in the red area, struggled in third down, struggled in the run game, uh, two-point plays, um, short yardage, backed up, start first quarter, start of the third quarter, not very good offense football. Boy, that sounds like a defeated guy. <laughs> it does, man. It, it, well, I, at least he's not uh, doing the Aaron Rodgers like, hey, the rest of these guys need to figure their shit out. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, at least it's like, hey, we've, we're doing, we're, we're not very good right now. Uh, and I think that Tom Brady understands that he's a part of that. Now, will, will he make I, I an adjustment would, is the question. So I think that there's so much that's, that's wrong with this Bucks team. But I wonder how much, and we, I don't, think anybody's really talked about it that much. How much does the transition from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles as the head coach impact this team? 
you know, would Bruce Arians as a head coach or would Bruce Arians having input into this offense, would he allow this to go down the way, this way? Here's the here's here's the, the reality, though. If Bruce Arians were still the head coach, Tom Brady wouldn't be the quarterback. So uh, that's the uh, that's the decision that they had to make, in my opinion. You I, think Bruce? So, but Bruce Arians gets a job in the front office so that Tom Brady can keep it keep his job at the quarterback. Yeah, yeah Tom Brady wasn't going to play for Bruce Arians anymore. I, I I don't believe that he was. Well, then why not make Byron Leftwich the head coach? You go to Todd Bowles, who did not have success with the New York Jets, yeah. who is clearly not having success now as the head coach here in Tampa. Tremendous defensive coordinator. I think the idea not a good head coach, I, but he did he has been a head coach before, and I think the idea of saying, "All right, Tom, your head coach is a first year head coach now," like that's not a, that I don't think Tom Brady was looking for that either. I, I think Tom Brady wanted things to be as sort of seamless as possible. Uh, he wanted to keep Leftwich around. He wanted mm-hmm. him to be his OC. Uh, but I, I don't think that there were many options as far as unless they went outside. But then you're talking about installing a new system and maybe new. Like, there was just there were too many moving parts. But I, I do think that the option was either Bruce Arians continues to coach this team or Tom Brady continues to play quarterback for this. There's team. only one thing that could save this Buck season, and if that unless if it happens, I'll be in on the Bucks. If it doesn't happen, this team's dead. Done. Okay. Rob Gronkowski. That'll do it. I That's the only thing that'll save this Bucks team. I don't know that it can. I mean, what about Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown? No. <laughs> well, we need to keep AB as far away from Brady right now as possible. He's he's selling pictures of him hugging Giselle. Uh, but seriously, if Gr- Brady missing Gronk, I think is a huge reason why this offense has not looked the same this year. It could be. I, I just I think there's a lot of things wrong, but I think it starts with Brady not being as into the game as he's always been, or, or as prepared as he's yep. always been. And you, you can say and, and, you and can again, say nothing's I, changing, I think, but I think also that has to do with Gronk. I think Gronk rejuvenated Brady. It gave might be him right. a new life. And now you think if Gronk him, were here, he wouldn't have gone to the wedding to Bob Kraft's wedding. I think they both would have gone. Exactly. You think, think that's good? Yeah, they both would have came back, and they would have been in a good mood. Uh, I, I think. Have I you think. Seen a do you think five years ago Tom Brady would have gone to Bob Kraft's wedding? No. No way. No. And I, I think that's the difference. Is Tom Brady is he? He's thinking he can just roll his helmet out and be Tom Brady this year. Was Giselle at the wedding? I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Don't you think she would have been? I, Joel, and, let's check TMZ. And is that the reason why he went? It's because his wife wanted to go to the wedding? That's Brady possible. reportedly visited that wedding alone. Alone? Oh. Wow. wow. Big dick move would have been to show up with like a really hot blonde. Or yeah, like a or like a supermodel, like yeah. another supermodel. Yeah. Like a Anna de Armas or some, Ooh, somebody like that. That would have been good. Is she but, dating anybody? Wasn't she dating like Bradley Cooper or something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll tell you this. If I'm her, I'm not leaving Bradley Cooper for Tom Brady right now. There was a time when I would have. Right now, Bradley Cooper's stock is steady. Tom Brady is crashing. This whatever's going on with the Bucks and with Brady, whew, I don't know if it's going to reverse itself anytime soon. They take on the Rams next week, and then Seahawks, who have are much improved, obviously. Yeah. Then they go on the road to Cleveland. You mentioned you ran through the schedule before. This is three straight losses now. I think there'll be a home dog next week to the Rams. Oh, by the way, did you also see the Shaq Barrett linebacker? Uh, yeah. Shaq Barrett 
getting an MRI on his Achilles yep. tomorrow. Yep. Uh, and they, they think that he may have torn his Achilles. So the it's just piling up on the Bucks right now. The Bucks are lucky that they play in the worst division in football. Yes. I mean, it's the it's it's still very, very winnable. Mm-hmm. Um that's the like when you look at Green Bay and their issues, it's like the Vikings keep on winning games. I don't know if the Vikings are great or not, but they keep winning football games. They're running away from the Packers. Nobody's running away with the NFC South. So if they can even become mediocre, like you like you said earlier. Nine and eight, my eight and nine might win this division. That, yeah. That's entirely possible. So, uh, all hope is not lost just yet. Big news in the NFL: Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase is going to miss four to six weeks because of a hip injury, and that means he's not going to be playing Monday against the Cleveland Browns. This was my five-star weighted play on the Dream Preview podcast, and we had a triple like on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we have to change that now because the contest line was three and a half. That's not the line anymore. Mackenzie, where are we at with the Bengals and the Browns? So the look-ahead line was Bengals' favorite on the road by two and a half. Optimism all week before today was three at the World Open, was three and a half. Before the Jamar Chase news, now we're looking at 3.2, halfway between three and a half and three, a little closer to three. And and that move from three and a half to three is is huge, AJ. Yes, it's one and a half, one and a half ticks from three and a half to three, so pretty much one and a half points of movement. We saw two of those, two-thirds of that movement onto the Bengals. AJ, do you think this this gets down to two and a half? Uh, it wouldn't shock me. Any any Like, listen, when it gets to three – a lot of money can come in on one side or the other and mm-hmm. it not move to, from three and a half to two and a half is about as big of a move as you can make in the NFL. So I, I'm not willing to, I'm not fez. I don't read the market well enough to know if it's going to go to but two and a half, Jamar but it's Chase, not going back to three and a half. I could tell you that is Jamar chase worth that much. Well, I mean, if that's, if you say he's, you know, you, you could say he's worth a full point and that doesn't mean that it goes from three and a half to two and a half, yeah. which I know sound doesn't sound like it makes sense. But going through that three is such a big jump that it's it's a lot more than you're going from like it it, it would be for like going from six to four. Right? Yeah. So to go from three and a half to two and a half. Jamar Chase has seventy four targets on the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. Second on the team is T Higgins with forty four. Thirty less targets from Jamar Chase. To T. Higgins. <laughs> That's and then after that, it's Hayden Hurst, the tight end with 39, Tyler Boyd with 38. So Chase on the season, 47 catches, 605 yards, and six touchdowns. There's going to be an adjustment here for this Bengals offense. I don't know if I can back Cincinnati now in this game. It's tough. Uh it, I think I'm certain I certainly wouldn't play him at three and a half now. I could tell you that if it, if it were there, I, I think if it two if it does get two and a half, I'll still like the Bengals. I I, I still think this is a listen. T Higgins, T- Tyler Boyd, there's still weapons for this Bengals team, uh, and I still am very anti Browns. But it, it certainly wouldn't be like on my list of five games. Yeah, like it was when we did that pod. So Cincinnati without Jamar Chase, let's look at their schedule for the next uh, couple of weeks. So it's four to six weeks. And, and so let's just call it, you know, split the difference and call it five weeks. We'll call it five weeks. Uh, they're at the Bengals. Then they're home to Carolina. Their bye week is week 10 at Pittsburgh, 
at Tennessee, at Kansas City. So that would be like six weeks if if he comes back for the Kansas City game. Let's just say he's not there for the Kansas City game. Between Cleveland, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, what's the Bengals' record? How many games? Five games. I mean. And three of them are on the road. Yeah, it sounds like three and two. I think they'd be happy with three and two. I think you would, yeah. With the Chiefs in there, yeah. You'd be happy if you go three and two. So three and two for the Cincinnati Bengals would improve them to seven and five on the year. But we've also seen, listen, the Ravens are for real too. This is a two-horse race in the AFC, uh, AFC North. The Steelers are a bad team. The Browns are a bad team. I don't it, think it's a two-team race. I think, well... Before the Jamar Chase injury, I would have said yes. Listen, if Jamar Chase is a different impact, I think it's got an impact too. But this isn't like Joe Burrow getting hurt. This is a it's a wide receiver getting hurt. Listen, the Ravens are playing without their number one wide receiver right now. It's this happens over the course of a season. It's not the end of the world, especially because that's the one position where. The Bengals are extremely deep. Yeah, you're right. T. Higgins and, God for, and Tyler Boyd can step up. God forbid a left tackle gets hurt for that team. Then they, <laughs> they might as well just quit. But I, I do think that it. I think it's an impactful injury, but I don't think it's the end of the world for Cincinnati by far. I still think they're a playoff team. I just think that the Ravens are the best team in that division. I think the Ravens are the fourth best team in football. McKenzie put up our uh, the, the grades on Jamar Chase. And about a 79 PFF grade for the season. Where does that put him amongst wide receivers? Got to be pretty near the top, right? He is 14th currently in the league. And where was he last season? Ninth. Okay, so let's just say right around a top 10 wide receiver. And if you look at his weekly grades, you can see the last two games have been by far his two best games of the season. I don't think it's a coincidence that's coincided with the Bengals offense suddenly looking like the Bengals offense. And us saying the Bengals are back. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a big loss, no doubt. But, again, this is the one position on the field where the Bengals can fade a little bit of an injury. And it's not it's not the end of the season for him. Uh, you know, he, he'll be back, and presumably he'll be 100%, and the Bengals can can get right back into business. So, so right now I'm, I'm not buying in on the Bengals' three-point favorites yeah. on Monday night. Yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of change, especially finding out this this late in the week. Yeah. There's a lot of changes. So to hold off on yep. for right now. Don't disagree one bit. All right, another trade in the NFL. They're coming hot and heavy right it's now. It's a lot. You don't usually see a lot of trades in the NFL during the season. This is with your, uh, your G-men. The Kansas City Chiefs trade their conditional third-round pick and a sixth-round pick to the Giants – for wide receiver Kadarius Toney, uh, hasn't played a lot this season, but it, you kind of expect that at some point the Giants are maybe going to get some wide receivers back, maybe have some kind of outside playmakers. Looks like Kadarius Toney wasn't part of their plan. No, and, and he's been hurt, and he's also, I don't want to say that they're giving up too uh, early on him, but he's been a negative Um not you don't want to call a guy a malcontent, but he's had issues, and I think that this is addition by subtraction here for the New York Giants. He barely plays with his injuries. He's not happy, and they get something for him in return. I also think that this is the Giants committing 
to Wandell Robinson and really believing in what this rookie brings to the table. Last week alone against the Jaguars, Wandell Robinson led the team six catches for 50 yards on eight targets. So obviously him and Daniel Jones have a nice chemistry going on. Darius sure. Slayton um, has has had a decent season for the Giants. So, And this is a team that just doesn't pass the ball. They are a run-first team. We've talked about that. They're like a service academy. They're like the only team in the league that doesn't have a 200-yard receiver on the season. So you look at this Giants team, and it's like, okay, well, do they really need a another wide receiver in Kadarius Toney, whereas the Chiefs, they felt like it was a, a, a need for them. Giants, send him out and get something from in return. For it's them. always a shocker, though, when a guy who's drafted in the first round, and he's a 2021 first-round draft pick, gets shipped out so soon. It, it, it's, it makes you wonder what's going on. Either he just can't play, or the new regime just wants nothing to do with him. I think I, I would say it's probably 50-50 on those. Like, there's a good possibility that Kadarius Tony just can't play. Uh, and I just think he's just yeah, maybe he's just not happy. He's not happy. He wasn't happy there. There were there were there were. But if art. he if he were in Brian Dayball's good graces, yeah. he'd be happy. I, I just don't know that I don't know that Brian Dayball sees it in him. There was but there was games where he was he just didn't see the field. And the articles being written about uh, how dejected and upset he looked on the sideline and and how frustrated he is with his role. What happened with uh, Robbie Anderson, right? Au revoir. See ya. Thanks for the third round pick. <laughs> yeah, and that's what uh, that's what the the Giants hoping that it doesn't uh, leave a hole for them. So uh, I I think that we can just assume the Giants won't be throwing the ball again this week uh, or any week going forward. <laughs> Just a a small four-game slate in the NBA last night, but it was highlighted by the Nets losing to the Dallas Mavericks in overtime, 129-125. Luka Doncic, 41 points, 11 boards, 14 assists. That's a good stat line. I believe that's called a triple-double. Yeah, that's strong. Uh, Kyrie Irving actually had a really nice game, 39 points. And, McKenzie, uh, I don't know how much of this game that you watched, but, you know, at the end there where it looked like Dallas was going to win this in regulation, like, you know, Kyrie doesn't miss, (laughs) and so the game goes to overtime, but the Nets still lose, drop to one and four on the season. What was your thoughts watching this game? It's funny. I had a tweet all ready to go. If the Mavericks would have lost this game, I would have been like, I've never been more impressed with a one and three team before this Mavericks team because they've lost a couple close ones or would have lost to the Suns, notably to start the season, but they've, they've just killed teams. I mean, you look at their net rating, even at two and two, I think after this game, they should be the best in the league. And it's all about Luka Doncic. You mentioned it. Yeah, 40-point triple-double. Who cares? You know, people do that. 14 assists, three steals, plus 20. Plus 20 in a game that you go to overtime when your guy's on the court, he only sat seven minutes. Your team was blowing out, you know, one of the better teams in the East. MVP written all over him. And yesterday I was talking about how Giannis kind of passed Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Another opportunity, kind of like with the Lakers, you know, it's five minutes to go. You can change your season right now, and you don't. Two nights in a row, that's that's a big – I mean, maybe it's more of a credit to Giannis and credit to Luka Doncic, but Kevin Durant is not so far this season what he used to be. Was it – I mean, I was on the Mavericks. Uh, I did a Moneyline parlay. I had the Mavericks and the Clippers. That turned out well. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, well, you but, got the tough part done. I mean, the Mavericks won, so surely the seven-point favorite 
the seven got there. I mean, the seven point favorite that that ticked up when the when they announced that Paul George was playing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That one should have been no. But the reason why I was anti Nets here was not only did the Nets come off the 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 loss in Milwaukee to the Bucks the night before, but I just think this Nets team is a fade all season long. Because lines are going to be inflated in their in their favor just because of two players alone. When I haven't seen this team, maybe last night changed my opinion a little bit, McKenzie. But I still think this is a fade team moving forward. Well, at home, I think at this point we mathematically can't afford to bet them because ten up, thirty five down. Now ATS the Nets at home the last two years, just incredible trend. All right, let's get into that Clippers loss to the Thunder. This was the, the the prototypical great betting spot, right? You have two teams playing the second game in a row where, you know, they play two games to, against each other. Right. We once dubbed it, RJ dubbed it, the immediate revenge spot. Immediate revenge spot where the Clippers, and, and this is my favorite, when the favorite loses the first game, I love backing that favorite in the second game because you lost a game you should have won, and now you have to make up for it. That's not the case as the Clippers drop their second straight to the Thunder, 118-110, in a game where Paul George did play. Look, history is on your side. You made a smart NBA play. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I'm learning. Because, look, I made a very similar play a couple days ago, and I have it written up here so I don't have to, to do the search. Nearly 200 games have been played in which a team loses to a game, loses to a team, and then plays that same team within two days and is a six or greater favorite. 60% ATS plus oh, 10 straight up margin plus 5 ATS margin. Don't it's tell just, me this. They usually cover. But here's the thing. They, with the Clippers here, maybe they didn't feel that immediate revenge because Paul George didn't play. Because Kawhi Leonard is, you know, perusing magazines on the sideline. There's, just, there's not that sense of urgency, that sense of they really beat us because they didn't beat us. They beat our B-ish team, our B-C team. So that's why I thought, that's why I agreed with the, the spot that's why I laid off the Clippers here. Well, the bet should have been on the Warriors instead of the Clippers because the Heat were also coming off of a, a game that they played on Wednesday night, and the Warriors took care of business at home. How would you think they looked? Steph Curry, MVP. Uh, I said it before this season. He had great value at 12-1. to 1. Andrew Wiggins has played pretty well. Draymond Green, not so much. Klay Thompson, not so much. Jordan Poole, maybe he's recovering from concussion-like symptoms. He hasn't oh. played well all year. Glad he got his money, you know, before he's had this little bit of a cold spin. But it's all about Steph Curry. He was the man tonight. And you were all over this one. We talked about it on SOVAM uh, yesterday morning. The Grizzlies uh, took care of the Kings. Uh, you, you mentioned the transition thing is going to be a yep. big factor as to why the Grizzlies are going to have a very successful season. Yeah, that's why I stayed away. But all the sharp money was on Sacramento at home. This line moved from five to two and a half. But it was not smart money. It was, it was sharp money, but dumb money because the Grizzlies – were significantly better. John Morant, we've talked about him a lot. Desmond Bain, the first time in his career, he's gone 30-plus back-to-back nights. He's the probably the favorite right now, in my opinion, for most improved player, which his running court mate, John Morant, won last year. Let's get into a couple of games for tonight's schedule, McKenzie. Uh, the 76ers and Raptors, this is that back-to-back spot, right? Yep. So the, the Raptors um, won the game the other night. Now... Do we like the Sixers in the revenge spot? or I, I personally just... do early. Now, the 60% trend I mentioned was for big favorites because they uh-huh. have more like ability to gear it up when they want to. So it's a little harder when, you know, the other team, Raptors, might be just as good as you. But the, but the Sixers in the first half is the play here. 
the margin is just incredible. When you're in that media revenge spot, the first quarter and the first half margin, it just can't be coincidence after so many games. Mm. What if they lose? Does Doc Rivers get fired? That's the thing. That's the thing. Yes, if it's an all-in moment, but maybe it's an all-in moment for Doc Rivers and nobody else because they know they're going to be here for 82. Nobody nobody else is worried about uh, changing jobs and uh, searching for employment except for Doc Rivers. I want to ask you about a couple more games here for tonight's schedule. Why do I love the Knicks plus the points against the Bucs? Am I just being a homer here, or is this a legit good bet? <laughs> That's funny. I was just texting Sleepy. I'm thinking of playing the Bucks. My okay, suggested okay, pick for okay, our our, okay, okay. our hand our um our quick NBA bet tank pod that we do. However, I haven't I haven't fired yet. There's a lot of optimism on the Knicks. I just think power ratings wise, I make this eight. Have the Knicks improved by two points since the beginning of the season? I mean, they're three and one. They've looked incredible. Jalen Brunson's been a great addition, but I just think the market, maybe New York New Yorkers especially, are a little overzealous on uh, the Knicks loves so far this season. I'm still upset they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been such a nice team, you know? He's Jay- from uh, Louisiana, or is he from New York? No, uh, he's from New York. His, I, think his dad worked uh-huh. for, I think his dad worked at uh, at Shea Stadium, and, and he was a Mets fan. And I don't know why they didn't try to trade for him. Well, he's from Connecticut or something. Where's Donovan Mitchell from? Yeah, oh. he's from Connecticut area, but he went to Mets games and all. I was just kidding you. Oh, okay. You were you were you were joshing me there. Exactly, because yeah. he's such a New York guy. But hey, he's in Cleveland, by the way. Number Fort one West net rating team. In the league is the Cleveland Cavaliers with the great Donovan Mitchell as their shooting guard. That's right. He was born in New York. He grew up in uh, Connecticut. And, yeah, I think, yeah, didn't his dad work at uh, work at, City, at uh, Shea Stadium in the Mets games or something like that? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Sr. worked for the Mets for over 20 years. There you go. See, I know my... NBA players. Well, good thing the Guardians are good. He can go to those baseball games and you know, really <laughs> in, in relation to the, the the basketball and teams. All right, one more game, McKenzie. Uh, Lakers zero and four. Timberwolves are eight point favorites. Lakers zero and five. It looks like it. I mean, there's a seventy five percent chance the market tells us. I don't know how the Lakers can keep up. The Timberwolves number one offensive team after January last year. They're starting to look like they're getting the Rudy Gobert cohesive into the lineup. Timberwolves are a plus team or a, a up arrow team to me. I would stay away from this game because eight is a huge number, but I can't play the Lakers here. I just want to bet against the Lakers every game. Well, every if you've game. done that for uh, four years, I think you're 55%. So. <laughs> not, a, not a bad strategy. Not looking good for LeBron and Kelly. couple games last night in the college football world. It's one of those nights where had I listened to straight out of Vegas AM yesterday, you would have made money. I would have made money because yeah. my handicap was pretty much spot on on all three of the games from last night. And I went home and went to sleep and didn't bet a single dollar on any of those three games. But North Carolina State survives 22 21 winners over Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was up 21 to three with two minutes to go yeah. in the third quarter. And I think we what I what I thought was going to be the case is the case. Without Devin Leary, North Carolina State's just a bad football team. Uh, so North Carolina State one point winners. They survive over a, a worse football team in Virginia Tech. But this is certainly a team that I want nothing to do with going forward. Uh, Southern Miss kind of easy winners, thirty nine twenty four over Louisiana. Uh, not really, not really much to say about it. Not the game wasn't really in doubt. Uh, so just a, a nice solid win for Southern Miss as a dog winning uh, winning outright by 15 points. 
the big surprise of the night in college football was in Utah. Well, I guess, excuse me, uh, in Pullman, Washington. Involving Utah. Involving Utah. Uh, but Cam Rising doesn't play in this game. There's no word before mm-hmm. that he wasn't going to be playing in this game. There was no internet rumors, but he doesn't play. And instead, they go with a former Eagle Scout walk-on quarterback in in Bryson Barnes. And this is a, like I said, this is a guy who's a walk-on. You're going from Cam Rising, who was a potential Heisman candidate, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to a walk-on. There's a pretty massive drop-off. He played admirably, 17 of 27, 175 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and Utah, I guess most importantly, survived and got the win 21-17. Yeah. to 17. But here's the question. And I know these college teams, they, they don't have to tell anyone when players aren't going to play. But with the legalization of sports betting, damn near everywhere, at some point there's going to be insider information that's known and that's why the NFL made injury reports what they are. Like, at some point, college football is going to have to do the same. I think, yeah, there has to be some sort of mandate, which there isn't right now, on how these college football programs handle uh, the, the injury news. Because, yeah, this information was not anywhere about Cam Rising. And I was just as surprised as you were to see that he wasn't playing in this game. So... I'm sure that there was people out there that knew about this, that took advantage of this, that were able to get Washington State plus seven and a half, and they cashed pretty comfortably because of it. Yeah, and had, again, had I known, I, I've been doing this last man standing, and I was I was kicking myself, and then Utah uh, got out to a nice lead, and I was like, okay, maybe it was the best thing that could have happened to him. He was 21-7, and I said, you know what, maybe I'm glad I didn't find out because had I heard that Cam Rising wasn't going to play mm-hmm. – I would have run, run. I'm not even cleared to run by my doctor, <laughs> my surgeon. But I would have run and and put my my contest on Utah or on uh, Washington State plus seven and a half. But there was really no indication at all. So, I mean, congratulations if you were one of the people who knew. Uh, I certainly wasn't. I don't know who knew. What I said on this game was the play all along was the under. This were this was two defenses that have been rock solid, and two offenses that even before I knew a, a you know a walk on quarterback was playing for Utah that have not been very explosive. So uh, it goes well under thirty eight points on, and and this was a game that was was totaled in in the mid fifties, fifty six, fifty seven, depending on when you got in, but just a a grimy, ugly game. And uh, congrats to the Utes for surviving without Cam Rising and we'll see we'll see when uh we'll, we'll see when he's back cuz they said this was precautionary I don't know for sure. Well, if it's precautionary then you don't need him at home against Arizona. Wouldn't that be It seems like another time to just let him rest. Precautionary yeah. cuz they're going to be massive favorites over the Wildcats. So, maybe he gets a couple of weeks off. Maybe they just want him to be 100% ready for that game in Eugene against Oregon. Good that, time to have him ready. That is going to be for likely a trip to the Pac-12 championship game. They are in control of their own path. 4-1 and one in the conference, Oregon 4-0. and oh. As long as they handle business, their next two weeks, uh, winning that game in Eugene will put them in the Pac-12 championship game because they're not going to lose to Colorado. Well, first, I, there are a few games tonight. Uh, I say a few instead of a couple because there's one important game that is not getting a lot of attention 
But we should mention the Columbia Lions taking on the Yale Bulldogs. McKenzie, I mean, as a, as a Yale yourself, is this a game that you get fired up for every year? No, there's one Yale football game a year, and it's not Columbia. Oh, well, listen, Yale is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so the beggars can't be choosers. I would be excited about this one, McKenzie. Just, hey, it's the 100th meeting all time. Did you really? know that? Okay. Okay. Wow. okay, that's something. That's not nothing. Yale 75-22-2 and two in the series. It's a nice stadium there. At Columbia Place. At Ween Stadium, it's called. Yeah. I think it's funny that it's called Ween. Talk We're such Ween. children. We're getting into <laughs> We are tonight. such children. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I were forced to bet, though, I would be on Yale minus six and a half, just so you know, McKenzie. Me too. Thank you. All awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, Louisiana Tech. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech taking on Florida International. You were like Brian Kelly there. <laughs> Florida International. <laughs> but I'm so happy for my family. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here, part of LSU. Uh, listen, this is a this is a matchup of two of the worst quarterbacks in the country, or worst football teams in the country. And now Louisiana Tech may be without their starting quarterback. Uh, he is the only life that they've got. If he's out of the lineup, which is, again, we don't know, uh, this is a, a weird situation. But th- these are two really, really bad teams. I suggest not watching this under any circumstance. I can't. I can't even give a lean on this game because I don't know the, the status of McNeil. So I, it's a total look away for me. And then the last game, BYU. They are three-point favorites yeah. hosting East Carolina. And I don't get why you would want to have a BYU ticket in your pocket right They've now. They've lost three straight games, and it's the season's getting away from them. Their defense is absolutely abysmal. And they've gotten chewed up. I mean, Arkansas had their way with them, had their way. Like, K.J. Jefferson was like, uh, you know what, I'm not going to run this week. I'm just going to throw for 1 million yards and five touchdowns on you. And that's what he did. They're allowing 5.8 yards per play. Uh, That's 95th in FBS. They are one of the worst defenses. And East Carolina is explosive. East Carolina is not great on defense either. So don't get me wrong. they're They're not a whole lot better. But Holton Aylers is having a fantastic season, 8.1 yards per attempt. Uh, He's been fantastic, and I like East Carolina here. I think East Carolina gets the job done, takes it to the Cougars of BYU. There's one thing that I will say that has me possibly leaning towards Utah in this, uh, excuse me, BYU in this spot. And I say Utah because BYU is located where? In Utah. In Some Pro- people may not know that. In Provo, Utah. The weather's going to be, uh, how do we say it nicely? Well, where I'm from in New Jersey slash New York. We Just s- pick a state and we'd rep say, it. We'd say it's brick outside. Brick? Brick. Okay. Anybody from the city knows what that means. I don't you know say what it's that brick. means. I mean, it's like it's cold. Like the when the wind hits your face. Oh, it doesn't get cold, cold where I come from. So, yeah, where <laughs> you come from. Well, neither does it really in Greenville, South Carolina, where it's seventy-four degrees, seventy-three degrees every day now in, in the fall. Nice, partly cloudy. But what, let's look at the weather report for just today in Greenville, South Carolina. 
Oh, well, a little rain in the forecast, maybe, but still. How about 75 degrees next Tuesday? Well, yeah, that's that's the weather in Greenville, South Carolina. It's going to be brick in Provo, <laughs> Utah tonight. I'm talking about 46 degrees with a feel of 40 degrees. These kids are going to be freezing their asses off. That's true. I think BYU wins this game because the, the, the East Carolina players, for the first time all year, are going to be having their hands in the hand warmers, hands in the mouths, blowing in their hands, trying to, you know, it's cold. It's cold. It's corn. No, it's cold. <laughs> That's the advantage I think BYU has in this game tonight. Well, here's what I will say, and that does make me not like Holton Aylers as much, but luckily Keaton Mitchell, who's been awesome for East Carolina as well, he's averaging about seven yards a carry. So uh, I, I think either way, I just want to fade this BYU defense. Uh, it, we've, seen, we've seen him light up some better defenses in this. The last, we saw him light up UCF. You know your boys, UCF. Yeah. He lit them up. So I, I, I'm. Ex- I, I think this East Carolina team is is very solid offensively. I, and going up against a defense that's just dead in the water, I can't find a way to back BYU. All right, let's look ahead to some of the big games coming up this weekend. Uh, we've got Ohio State noon game. Ohio State minus fifteen and a half at Penn State. It's a big number. Penn State, listen, I, I lost last week saying all they got to do is score like 10 points and oh, Iowa and can Iowa, hang with yeah, them. Yeah. Ohio State <laughs> is a monster, and I, it's not something I'm looking to get in the way of. You have a thought on Ohio State, Penn State? No, if this game was at night, if this game was a night game, I think I'd lean towards Penn State covering here at home. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a, a chilly day in uh, in Happy Valley, I, I just think that this is going to be one of those classic Big Ten football games that might be closer than than we think. So I wouldn't lay it with Ohio State, but I'm not comfortable betting on Penn State. Let's talk about Notre Dame at the Q's. Syracuse, two-point favorites against the Irish. A lot of money's come in this week on Notre Dame. A lot of money, and uh, it scares me because you would think – that the money would be on the home underdog or the home favorite, excuse me, in Syracuse, who's six and one on the year, who just impressed the heck out of people by playing Clemson so tough last week. But yet there's a belief that the Irish are going to go into the Carrier Dome and win this game. I'm not betting against Syracuse, and I'm not betting on Notre Dame. So the only way I would bet this game is to take the orange. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Can't call it that anymore. What do you call it now? I don't know. It's you can't uh, call it that anymore. A bunch of rednecks like getting drunk. It's like you can't call before it, a football game. Can't call it the Red River Shootout anymore. It's the Red River Rivalry. I don't believe in that. You can't say the I can say what I want. Just out. Oh, but you can call Amen, that, You can call that new uh, named stadium in Syracuse the Carrier Dome. I can't call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I still call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail Okay, party. then don't tell me what I can do. <laughs> it's, the, it's, 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 it's at the Florida-Georgia line. That's what we call it. <laughs> well, either way, <laughs> it, the, the odds makers don't expect this year's party to be all that competitive. The Dogs, 22-and-a-half-point favorites. And remember, that's a neutral site game, yeah. so no home field. This 22-and-a-half-point favorites 
over Florida. It might rain, too. Uh, and if there's rain in the oh, floor, I hate when it rains at a cocktail party. I know. Our dresses are going to be so messed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Georgia just runs all over them, to be honest with you. This is, a, this is a team. Now, are you concerned about Georgia looking ahead to Tennessee next week? I think you should be. I, I think absolutely you should be. And, and we'll get to another game later where we'll talk, we'll talk about Tennessee. Both these teams playing traditional rivalry games mm-hmm. – leading up to their biggest game of the season. So I, I, I think that it's it's scary to play either one of them. Okay. Uh, Wake Forest, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Louisville. I feel like I'm the only person in the world who really believes that Wake Forest is good. Yeah. Like, if, if Fez is like, you can't play Wake. They're not good. All my guys say they're no good. And I'm like oh, – I don't believe it. Like I don't. I don't know what's not to like about. It. They've lost one game. It was in overtime to Clemson, mm-hmm. who's probably going to the college football playoff. Now that doesn't mean they're one of the four best teams, but they're probably going to the playoff. They beat them in overtime. <laughs> like, what's bad? What's not to like about Wake Forest? I, I don't get it. Maybe it's just a lot of love for Malik Cunningham. But that's about it. I, I don't. I, I don't see it because. I think Wake Forest is a much better team. I think Sam Hartman's a, a future NFL quarterback. And Sam Hartman's the best quarterback in the ACC. You, you, you won't, you, whatever your argument is, it's wrong. I, I don't yeah. care who you pick out of a hat. You're wrong. Uh, Sam Hartman is that dude. I, I like Wake. Uh, it, this is a, a team that I've just I've I've been on, and I want to stay on. Kentucky at Tennessee. Tennessee twelve point favorites. I think Tennessee rolls. This is they unveiled those black uniforms that they're wearing for this game. So I think this was a smart idea. And, and and hear me out. Next week's the Georgia game. We know that. We just talked about it. And it's easy to look ahead to that Georgia game when you got this little number three next to your name. Because now you're thinking national championship, right? And you're thinking all we gotta do is beat Georgia and we're going to the SEC championship game and being undefeated in that SEC championship game. Because the rest of the season, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, maybe South Carolina is a hiccup, I don't know. But they should be undefeated going into the SEC championship game. And as long as you're undefeated in the SEC championship game, guess what? Win or lose, you're going to the college football playoff. Yeah. So it's easy to look ahead to that Georgia game next week. But what they've done to prevent the look ahead is to make this game an event. Make this game something that gets all of your focus, that, 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 that the fans buy into. So they unveil these special black jerseys. They're making it a blackout at Neyland Stadium. There's going to be 100-plus thousand people in attendance, which there always is for the home games. But this game, this night game at Neyland is going to feel special. It's going to feel different. And I think it's a genius job by the program to – Put the focus on this game to to avoid the look ahead to Georgia. Because I'm telling you, the players get hyped. They're college kids. They're kids. You show them black jerseys and black helmets, they get hyped up. It's unreal. It's listen. How many go go on YouTube right now? Go on Twitter and just look at videos of a uniform unveiling in a college football meeting room. It's like. You present these kids with something they've never seen before, and all of a sudden, it's the coolest thing in the world. Why do you think Oregon got all these recruits 20 years ago? It's because Phil Knight came in and said, I'm going to pay you all this money. Yeah. Start getting some Nike cool uniforms in here. Well, 
I, there's something about the the, the 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 uniforms, the blackout. This is just a genius job by the program putting the focus on this game to avoid the look ahead. Michigan State, 23-point dogs at the big house. Give me Sparty. So, this is this is the Super Bowl for Michigan State. Forget about a bowl game, which they could still get to one. But bowl games, national championships, they don't matter. Beating Michigan does. And you know what Mel Tucker and Michigan State have done recently? They've beaten Michigan. Yeah. That's probably the only reason why Mel Tucker yeah, still has right. a job. Yeah. Is because he's won two straight against Michigan. They've won three of the last five matchups. Jim Harbaugh, maybe there's something here about Tucker versus Harbaugh. I don't know. But I think 23 is too much for this rivalry. If you look at the the history of the last, ever since Jim Harbaugh came in. So he came in in 2015. Every matchup has been close. The average margin of victory is 10. But that margin of victory is 10 because a couple of years ago, Michigan won by 34 points. It was like 44-10, I think the final was. So if you take that 34-point win out of there, the margins in these games, four points, three points, four points, nine points, four points, these are close games between these rivals. So 23 is just way too much. Ole Miss, one-and-a-half-point favorites at A&M. This is a tough one to call because Ole Miss has a ton of injuries. A&M's program is in shambles. Yeah. They're suspending players for smoking weed before the game last week. I mean, it's a total disaster. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is in a really weird situation where it feels like his players are kind of turning against him. I don't know what's going on in him. I can't back them right now, but Ole Miss is just so banged up, it's hard to say you want them either. Jimbo Fisher's buyout, if he is fired at the end of this season, is $85.9 million. His buyout goes down if he's fired after next year. 76. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's a bargain. He, he signed a fully guaranteed 10-year, $95 million contract on September 1st, 2021. Yeah. And now everyone wants to get rid of him. Yeah. That might be that's worse than like <laughs> so great that's worse that's worse than the Albert Pujols contract. In that's worse than the A Rod contract. In twenty thirty he'll worse be running the Jean Carlos Stanton contract. In twenty thirty he'll be running the exact same offense with no motion. Well, at and... least in twenty thirty they can buy out for nine point nine five million. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's that does help. Only nine point five million. Uh last one we'll talk about Pitt, three point dogs at North Carolina. Hmm. Can I take the over? I, I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, that was my best bet or my best total on the pod. Uh, this is just a, a, a pit a pit offense that I don't particularly like, but against North Carolina, they'll probably show something. Yeah, I think North Carolina might be one of the more surprising teams this year. Six and one, their only loss was to Notre Dame in a game where they should have won. So uh, I mean, they got behind early, but I think that could, what would we be saying if North Carolina was undefeated right now? We'd still be saying they have a bad defense. Yeah, but and we'd be looking at that Appalachian State game, too. Yeah, but we'd have to be taking them seriously, I think. Yeah, so why not taking them seriously now? That's a good question. Finally, AJ, World Series Game 1 is tonight in Houston. The Astros, a minus 160 favorite over the Phillies. Justin Verlander on the hill for Houston. Aaron Nola goes for Philly. And 
I understand why Philly is a, a a sexy bet, right? They've been an attractive bet this entire postseason. Heck, I've been on them pretty much in every game they've yeah. played this playoffs. I don't know if I can back them in this series. Uh, I'm in a playoff pool where, and I kind of made this decision for strategy game theory-wise, but also because I truly believe this is what's going to happen. I took the Astros in six because I do think the Astros have the edge here in this series. They're undefeated in the playoffs for a reason. (laughs) They're a really good baseball team. I've heard a lot of national media say the Phillies feel like a team of destiny. A lot of mojo, yes. Hard to bet against the mojo. And that's exactly what they said about the Mariners when the Mariners made the playoffs for the first Mm. time in a million years, and they couldn't score a run in 18 innings off Astros pitching. I think that it's – I think there's a natural uh, field, like – People want to find a reason to say someone besides the Astros is going to win. Yeah. The truth is the Astros are just the best team. And it's if you're betting against them, it's it's probably more with your heart mm-hmm. than it is with your head. Or with I, I had this, or I had this debate. I did. I had this debate. Did I, because at first I liked the Phillies. And I was thinking, am I playing with my heart? And no, I'm not a Phillies fan. But it's been fun betting on the Phillies this postseason. They've won me a lot of money. And I'm singing the song like they are in the in, in the locker room. I keep dancing on my own, baby. Uh, but I got to think with my head here. And I think the Astros have the edge in this series. Because after Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, I have concerns about the Phillies pitching. Um, you know, with Ranger Suarez. And then if they go to Syndergaard or Bailey Falter or however they want to decide to, to play uh, game four. I I look at this game one in particular, and I think the layoff is going to impact both teams. So I'm actually going to look towards the under in the first five innings. It's three and a half. It's actually juiced to the under. But I think the layoff causes both teams to start out slow. We also know that Justin Verlander and Aaron Nola are high strikeout pitchers, and they don't walk a ton of guys, especially Aaron Nola. I brought this up every time Nola pitches, the historic season that he had with over 230 strikeouts and under 30 walks, whatever it was. I don't see there being a lot of base runners early on. Uh, The umpire for tonight's game is James Hoy, who is a pitcher-friendly umpire. He has a more uh, expansive strike zone. He's played to 52% to the under in his career, so take that for what it's worth. But here's the thing that I like uh, if I'm looking for the under, and specifically if I'm looking at the Astros. Houston Minute Maid Park plays power, like the power for Minute Maid Park is better for righties, right? You want to hit oh, the, for Craw- sure. the Crawford box. Yes, easy home runs there. And who are the two biggest home run threats on the Phillies? Yeah, Bryce Kyle Harper, Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, and yeah. Bryce Harper, who are lefties. Yeah. So keeping the ball away from the Crawford boxes is going to be a lot easier for Justin Verlander to do. Now, now I've seen Kyle Schwarber now, hit balls that would sure, go out sure. of any and, park and, ever. And Harper as well. <laughs> and, and Reese Hoskins is having an yeah. incredible postseason. So he's hitting a ton of home runs as well. But, you know, both of these teams are better uh, clearly against lefties than they are against righties, which is it's it's funny to say that because you have two incredible lefties in Schwarber and in Harper, but they they mash lefties. So I, I think with Verlander on the hill, I, I like them to really start off slow. And then I think Nola's going to have some success early on as well. I do think the layoff affects both of these teams. Could it be a higher scoring game later on? Yeah. Uh, maybe it is, but I do think um, 
with the pitchers locked in, with uh, especially in the postseason, guys we've seen an uptick in their velocities. They're just amped up for these games. I think we're going to get a low-scoring first couple of innings here before these teams settle in uh, and, and really get the – uh, jitters out. I so I'll take the under three and a half in the first five innings. I can't see an argument against it. And one, one thing I know is a lot of teams fool around a lot and pull pitchers early and things like that. It's not Dust- happening with these two guys. Justin Verlander is going to pitch until he doesn't want to pitch. Like he's an old Dusty Baker's an old school dude. Justin Verlander is as old school as it comes. You're going to have to pry the ball out of his hand. So I like your uh, I like your first five under here. Yeah, I would even look at maybe a strikeout prop on both of these pitchers. If I'm being honest, you know, you look at. Verlander Verlander, I think he's at six strikeouts. I think uh, Aaron Nola might be at five and a half. And so you, you just look at both of these pitchers that have high K rates, and we could see some swings and misses early on, especially with an umpire, like I said, in Jim Hoy, who has an expanded strike zone. Uh, are you on Houston for the series, though? I am on Houston for the series. I think Houston in five. Houston in five? So yeah. they win it in Philly. I think they win it in Philly. Ooh, I don't think they win it in Philly. I do. I, I and I, You know what? I, I say five just because it sounds. If I say Houston in four, it just sounds like they're I'm not home. sweeping. They're not sweeping. Yeah, we'll see. I think Houston in six. They win it at home. Here's how I'm playing this out. Okay, and let's we're we're gonna play this. Did you, would you, what would the, what kind of odds would you have taken if I said the Astros would sweep the Yankees? Yeah, that's true. Although I th- yeah, it could have happened. You're, you're right. Um, I think Houston gets game one. Okay, Verlander takes game one against Nola. Phillies win game two. Framber Valdez on the hill. Phillies mash lefties. Zach Wheeler has been an absolute stud. I think Phillies take game two. This is a 1-1 series going back to Philadelphia. Okay? Game three. Phillies win. Oh, okay. The emotion of the city. It's it's a buzz. It's just everyone's excited. That's on Monday, Halloween. Okay. On Tuesday, Astros take game four. This is a 2-2 series going to game five. Astros win game five. Astros win at home in game six. Okay. And that's where I'm going. Houston in six, celebrating at Minute Maid Park as the Astros fans erase the uh, depression of last year's loss to the Braves in the World Series. And I'll tell you what, Jeremy Pena. World Series MVP. I'm going to go Justin Verlander, World Series MVP. I'm going to say he wins game one, wins game five. I'm going to say combined Ooh, gives, up, good. gives up one earned run. That's good. Let's look at the odds. So Verlander, well, you know he's going to pitch game one, and then so you say he'll pitch game five, not going to pitch game four, so they won't do like a 1-4-7 thing? I don't think so, unless, okay. the, unless the Astros are somehow down 3-1 yeah, or 2-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I don't see that. Okay, so Verlander three, right now is 10-1 to one to win the MVP. Harper's the favorite at six to one. Jordan Alvarez is plus six fifty. Kyle Tucker, Justin Verlander are ten to one. Framber Valdez and Alec, Alex Bregman twelve to one. Schwarber thirteen to one. But I like Jeremy Pena seventeen to one to win the World Series. What was the number on Verlander? Ten to one. Ten to one. Okay, it's not great for a guy who I mean is only going to play in two games. Exactly. He'd have to be dominant. I think in those he dominates, though. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I'll, I'll stick with Verlander. Yeah. All right. You got Verlander. I have Jeremy Pena, but we both have the Astros winning this series. No doubt. Game one tonight in Houston. Justin Verlander against Aaron Nola. The Astros minus 160, and the total is six and a half, juiced to the over. But the first five total is three and a half, 
juiced to the under. That's where I'm going for tonight's game. All right, we're going to take a look at a couple of the NFL games. If you want the deep dive, you can go to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Uh, that feed, the co- we we do the uh, the the deep dive pod every Wednesday. It's out Thursday morning. You can find it there, and uh, we go in depth on every game. But we wanted to run through a few games for you here. Let's start with the London game. Get your thoughts on Jacksonville, two and a half point Let's favorites ride. against the Broncos. Broncos country. Let's ride. How corny is Russell Wilson? I mean, this dude doing high knees and, and calisthenics in the aisles of the plane during a, a six-hour flight or, or so while his team – or eight-hour – however long the flight is while these guys are trying to sleep. And then he's, like, talking to the media, and he's like, well, for the first two hours I watched film because, you know, I got to watch film. And then uh, I stretched and then did some high knees, and then I watched another hour of film. Like, dude, shut up. Here's, I'd be here. so pissed if the dude next to me on the plane was doing high knees. I was like, dude, I'm trying to sleep. We're flying across the Atlantic Ocean. Get, let me rest. Here's the reality. This team sucks. <laughs> They've lost four straight games to the Colts, the Jets. All right, the Chargers lost whatever. But, I mean, this this team is just falling apart. And Russell Wilson's terrible. Their coach has no idea what he's doing. That being said... Their defense is elite. Their defense is incredible. And I I, 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 th- I feel like I lead the anti-Jaguars bandwagon because I don't understand the love for the Jaguars. I really don't get it. These are two 2-5 two and five teams. And the way that people are talking about this game, you'd think it's a 7-1 and one team playing against the Broncos. Because that's how, hey, Jaguars are, Jaguars are great. Trevor Lawrence is the second coming. Jaguars are playing a home game in London. I, I I just don't see it. I really don't. Um, total is really low because both these teams stink. I think the Broncos' defense makes the the important play to win this game. Feels that way to me, too. Hey, Trevor Lawrence, is he had a couple games early in the season where it was like, ooh, this is what we were talking about with Trevor Lawrence. Since then, he's just been bad, and it, it, he's not developing I, I now we're putting up him up against one of the two or three best defenses in the league. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Yeah, I, so I want nothing I, I would, to do with the I Jags. Would, yeah, I would take it maybe with the Broncos. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I heard a, a comment from uh, Chris Andrews over at the South Point, uh, who did a radio hit about a week or so ago, and he was saying from a bookmaker's perspective, it's interesting when you see a three and a half. Usually, that is a, a red flag to lay the points. And when you see a two and a half, it's usually a red flag to take the points. Spread in this game is two and a half. I'm going to take it with the Broncos. Okay. Uh, San Francisco 49ers minus one and a half at the Rams. Kyle Shanahan has just owned Sean McVay. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the picks I talked about on the Dream Preview podcast. And it's just for, for that reason. Uh, Shanahan is nine and three ATS in his career against McVay. Jimmy G against the Rams is 7-1, and one, both straight up and against the spread. And in the regular season, Jimmy G, 7-0 and oh straight up, 6-1 and one ATS against the Rams. And the time to pick on McVay and the Rams is usually after the bye. They don't do well on extended rest. McVay and Stafford combined together 0-2 ATS off a bye. That includes the playoffs. And I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a much bigger role in this offense now that he's had a week or so with the team. I think the 49ers win this game. The G-Man plus three at the Seahawks. You know where I'm going. I know where you're going. Giants country. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. 
boy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the Giants are, are are a really good football team and that no one is taking seriously. This is it's not just a fluke anymore. This is a good team. And I said it on the Dream Pod this past week, and it was something that I, I haven't really brought up before, but now I'm starting to really think that there is a lot of credence to it. The coaching. It's not just Brian Dable. It's Wink Martindale coaching that defense. I mean, look at the difference in what we've seen from the Ravens this year, right? From what the Ravens have been in the past. What's the missing piece in that Ravens defense? The coordinator change. Wink Martindale has done wonders with this Giants defense. And Mike Kafka coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs has really brought some interesting um, play dynamics to this Giants offense. So the Giants offense has this combination of Brian Dable's influence and Mike Kafka and, and I guess Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy influence from the Chiefs. This is a really good Giants football team that if they win this game and improve to 7-1, and one, really – Really, if they haven't already, which I think they have, but after being 7-1, and one, they need to get everyone's respect. I agreed with you last week against the Jags because I did not buy into the Jags as a respectable team. This week, I think I lean the other side. I, I The Seahawks, I think, are also very good and very yeah. underrated. Uh, and they are running the ball really well, particularly since Rashad Penny went down, if you can believe it. But Kenneth Walker is a freak. He's he's run probably going to be offensive rookie of the year now that Brees Hall's out. He is so friggin' fast. Yeah, he's like a four three nine guy. I th- uh, the NFL Next Gen stats have him running the fastest this year, uh, faster than Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. And the Giants against the run have been dead. Last three games, they're averaging nearly seven yards per carry allowed. Mm on the ground and the run offense. You and I looked at some film about how the giants have been running. Yeah. Losing Evan Neal. That's yeah. Losing Daniel Bellinger. Mm -hmm. These are big losses. Uh, So I, I lean to the Seahawks here. Last game. We'll look at the Sunday night football game, green Bay, 11 point dogs, Aaron Rodgers, an 11 point dog at the Buffalo bills. Good luck. If you want to try to catch that knife, Uh, I think the bills blow them out. I think this. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are deader, and that's not even a word. Deader than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And you might be right. And and what Thursday night's game should have shown you is that you can't just back a team because oh they're due and they're desperate. No, the Bucks were due and desperate. They still look terrible. Packers are due and desperate. They'll still look terrible. Yeah, uh, and Buffalo, listen, they've been the exception to the rule. All these big favorites losing outright. The Bills have been the team that they, okay, they're going to they're gonna win by 13 and a half, 14, yeah. whatever. They do it. Uh, what they did to Pittsburgh, it, it should be, it's a crime in 14 states. <laughs> it, it, like, this is, th- this team, there's no Alan Lazard. Uh, like, this is a, Aaron Rodgers talking about some, maybe some guys you can get, well, now the one guy you can trust isn't going to be playing. The defense is bad. This Bills team is just, it's too much right now. I I think the Bills boat race the Packers. Well, six games on the NHL schedule for tonight. And last night, AJ, 2-0 with the ice picks. Ice, ice, baby. You're killing it. Yeah, 20-5 now on the season. And uh, we may have to give out a, uh, we may have to repeat that, uh, that code again. Yeah, ice, ice. I think people – I got some good response to your 
Ice Ice Baby lyric usage on yesterday's yeah. show. Yeah, people like that. Good, they should have. There was a strong there was a, a strong portion of the population though that didn't understand your references. Oh, well, those are children. They might be too young, yes. Uh, <laughs> or elderly, I don't know. <laughs> or too old. Uh, uh but yeah, we hit the uh over in San Jose and Toronto. Uh, the Sharks actually won 4-3 in overtime as heavy underdogs, uh, took the over 6.5 there, and then played Dallas uh, and as a small favorite at home against Washington. They won 2-0. Jake Ottinger, by all metrics, the best goaltender in the NHL right now. Uh, he is just absolutely having a tremendous season. So let's take a look at the schedule here for tonight. The Golden Knights are heavy favorites at home against the Ducks. Vegas minus 278 with a total of six. Islanders visit the Hurricanes. Carolina minus 190 with a total of six. The Bruins, who won last night, they're off to a 7-1 and one start on the season, but playing the second night of a back-to-back, they're in Columbus, Boston, minus 160, total of 6.5. This is an interesting game. Devils at home against the Avalanche, Colorado, minus 140, total of 6.5. The Devils have been the, one of the most, if not the most, surprising team to start the early season. Yes, they're 4-3. and three. But by all metrics, this is one of the best teams in hockey. They're generating shots on goal, not just shots on goal, guys, shots on goal that are unblocked, which are that's the best way to lead to goals, right? You, you can take Seems shots like and a good the defense can get in front of you and the, and the shots don't reach the net. But when you're when the puck's on net, right? That's the name of the game. Puck's on net, puck's on net. The Devils are getting pucks on net, so might take a look at the Devils as an underdog. Have to look at the goaltending matchups and see what we like here for this game. Uh, two more games. Penguins are at the Canucks. Pittsburgh minus 160, total of 6.5. And, and the Jets visit the Coyotes. Winnipeg minus 170, total of 6.5. And, and they play their home games this year at Mullet Arena. It's not just a, a cool name, right? Because it's, uh, you know, mullet. But Mullet Arena is part of the Arizona State University campus. That's where the college team plays. And it's a temporary venue for the Coyotes because they're trying to get an arena uh, taken care of. It seats 5,000 people. Ooh. This is a <laughs> this is a this is like going to a Henderson Silver Knights game. Actually, yeah. I'm telling you right now, the Dollar Loan Center here in Henderson is nicer than where the Arizona Coyotes and NHL team plays their home games. It is ridiculous that they have an a, a professional franchise playing in an arena like this. This is their home opener, so they haven't played a game at home yet. They've been on the road the entire season, so the locker room for visitors is just a curtained-off area inside the arena. It is such a joke. Why? Just put this team up in Canada. There's Oh, goodness. The Coyotes are building what they call the Annex, a two-story, 15,000-square-foot building attached to Mullet Arena, and will feature all the amenities required for an NHL team, including home and visiting dressing rooms, medical facilities, coaching offices, and more. The annex won't be completed until December 9th, 
when the Coyotes host the Boston Bruins after a 14-game road trip from November 5th through December 7th. They are using the current visitors' dressing room as their main room for the first four games. So these are just for the first four games of uh, them being in this mullet arena. The opponents, the Jets tonight, and then the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Stars will all use that makeshift dressing room created for them, uh, which is basically just a curtained-off area of this arena. I'm reading from NHL.com now. This is hilarious. <laughs> this is such a joke. How do we make money off this? They bet against them. They suck. <laughs> but it's, it's like there's no home. Uh, actually, maybe there is going to be a home ice advantage. How loud can 5,000 people be compared to like a 15,000-seat arena? Uh, bottom line, there's not going to be any home advantage. The home advantage might just be because the, the, there's no locker room for the visitors. So uh, teams are going to have a, a hard time. They get dressed uh, in a hotel or something? something yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Winnipeg minus 170, total six and a half. Uh, yeah, this is going to feel uh, like watching a minor league hockey game. Will that be a pick of mine tonight? We, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but if you want my hockey picks, here's what you got to do, AJ. You got to go to pregame.com and sign up for my NHL season-long package. Not only do we have an early bird discount available on pregame.com for my season-long NHL package, which... I'm 20 and 5 to start the year with my NHL picks. 2 and 0 last night. We're going to give you $50 off. How how Scott? How? Use the promo code ICE ICE. If you use that promo code, you will get $50 off my NHL season long package at pregame.com. Again, the promo code is ICE ICE not baby. No. Din 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 din. din. <laughs> so stop Collaborate and listen and get yourself an NHL season-long package. Ice Ice is the promo. Gets you $50 off. 20-5 and to start the year. Looking to keep this thing rolling. I'll have plays pretty much every single day. And uh, we'll just keep rolling here, rocking and rolling. McKenzie is rocking and rolling with his NBA season-long package. How's the early start of the season going for you, McKenzie? 64%. Let's keep it going. That's awesome. That's better than you were last year, right? Yeah. So you're on a good trajectory. Uh, AJ, uh, when's the next uh, UFC card? Uh, there's one this weekend, in fact. Ooh. You like you like some fights? Yeah, I like some fights. It's okay. listen, it's it, not it, a sexy card. It's is for it the Apex? It's for, yeah, it's at the Apex. Okay. For the hardcores only. This Ooh. is an ugly, ugly fight card. I'll only watch this if you have a financial interest in it. Mm, which I know you will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so you can get that at pregame.com. Plus, you can jump on board with any of the football packages as well. Again, go to pregame.com. Check out everything available there. Uh, if you want more of an NFL deep dive, R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast is available on the Dream Pod feed as well as the College Football Podcast I will tweet out the updated college football contest picks once AJ and I submit them after we review all the changes to the line movements from the contest lines to where we are here uh, coming up on, uh, I guess, tomorrow morning by the before we get to kickoff. So be on the lookout on my Twitter page, at Scott's On Air, or at AJ is the real. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend straight out of Vegas. A.M. <laughs>